Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and I am joined here with my daughter, Paige Peck Baumert. She has a new last name. I do. She is now Paige Peck Baumert, which is so exciting. I love that she has married the love of her life, Joseph Baumert. Her wedding was fantastic. She is on her honeymoon doing this podcast with me you're welcome does she have does she have a duty or what to to the teaching self-government families and to help strengthen your homes and everything uh always thank you for joining me so tell me tell me about married life obviously g-rated tell me about married (laughs) life with with Joseph, what what do you just love about your marriage? I'm sure you could go on volumes and volumes, but what are some of the things that you just feel like are, are going to make your marriage great? I Well, that's actually pretty easy, uh, something that we've talked about a lot, and it's that we're both, we both have the same commitment to building a secure foundation for our family. Um, that was one of the first things that we talked about when we met was, okay, So, like, when you have a future family, like, what do you want it to look like? What are some of your goals for your family? And we found that our goals were really, really similar, Um, whether, you know, it was physically, financially, but also spiritually. We had very, very similar familial goals. And That's important. Yeah, and now that, you know, we're married, um, we get to work on that together, and we get to work on building that, and making sure that our foundation for our future children is secure. Mm, I love that. And honestly, that's one thing that when anybody sees you guys, they recognize immediately that there's just this feeling that you're unified. It just feels like this is a unified couple. They could, you can just tell that you're on the same page with so many things. So it sounds to me like you got to some pretty meaty stuff before you were even like an official item. You, you wanted to, you know, talk about important things and mm-hmm. what people wanted in a family. I guess why waste your time? I you say want- I don't mess around. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't have to anymore. You found the right one anyways. So there yeah. you go. So that is all good. Well, today we are talking about teaching children to have duty. So duty is the crowning jewel of character, the character of a person. Now, not just children need to have duty, but parents need to have duty to the sense of duty. We want to talk about what that is. I had a friend of mine years ago. Well, actually, was it two? How many years ago was it? Two years ago? It wasn't that long ago, but um, it was in recent history. Um, I started talking about duty and she said, she said, I hate that word. So we're going to talk what? about why people, yeah, I know, right? We're going to talk about why people might not like duty. Okay, what duty is and how we can teach our children to have duty because we are going to assume that we are going to make a good enough case for teaching children duty that you are going to want to do some things to help instill duty in the hearts of your children. But first, 
we have a tradition and that tradition is that we talk about a family activity page what type of a family activity do you want to talk about today oh good ones one of my favorite ones so something that we've always done as a family all growing up is we would engage in service projects and that was where i really learned to love service even if it started out begrudgingly um <laughs> but it was it's something that's really been it's become part of you know our family culture not obviously my current cute little family that i just started we're still working on that culture but it's something that I grew up with and learned to love. And that's actually something that, you know, my dad is very uh, invested in. He loves to give service. That is one of his biggest love languages. And I remember there were days, especially because we lived, you know, in Utah and it would snow in the winter. And there were days where it would snow and he would take out his snowblower and he would go and clear off everyone's driveway in our whole cul-de-sac up the street around the corner you know the whole block and we're talking up the street we're talking up it's a hill the street <laughs> yeah is <it's> up <laughs> our neighborhood is at the base of a mountain and it's hills right yeah yeah and so i remember i would go with him with a shovel and i would clear off the porches while he did the driveways and when he would run in a guest he would send me home to lug up the gas tank to wherever he was that was not my favorite part, but <laughs> it was, it would be so nice to see all these cute little old ladies come out, you know, in their robes or in their big coats and be like, oh, thank you so much, you know, and just to feel accomplished, you know, you'd be wiped out, but you'd be like, look at all the good that we did. Mm. Or I remember times where we would all get together with gloves and trash bags and we'd go pick up trash along the side of the road or at a park or something like that. And so, yeah, or we helped people in their yards. We yeah. Helped them, we helped them move. We helped them in their yards. Um, sometimes we found out that people didn't have as much food to eat. We would go to the store, we would get them things and we would go and deliver it. And, mm -hmm. and we, we do love to give service in our family. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. actually been a big part of, you know, some of the big dreams and goals that I have for my life is to eventually be able to you know, be able to give that same type of service and have, you know, my own personal monetary needs not get in the way of that. So service doesn't require money. It no, requires it doesn't. a condition of heart, but it sure is handy if you have a little bit of money to work with. Yeah. But then you can do even different service things that maybe you couldn't before. But, but I think that if we're talking about a family activity, just think of something you can do for somebody else or for some other area. I remember for Quinn's Eagle Project, the whole family helped him, obviously. That's what mm -hmm. happens with Eagle Scouting. <laughs> um, and we cleaned out these squares that had old trees and weeds in them that surrounds our neighborhood. We cleaned them out, shoveled them down, put cement in them, got the cement, everything all up the whole side of the neighborhood. It took an entire day from early, early, early morning until dark to get this done. And it was... Us and a bunch of friends. Yeah. And it was an enormous project. But you know what? It was fun to do together. Mm -hmm. It was a yeah. really great memory. And I remember there was one time, super, super quick story, another form of service we did. Our family is very musical. And so we would go to rest homes in the area and just sing and do musical numbers for all the old folks. And it was really cute because you didn't even know if they were really listening, but 
it was really fun to see some of them just you know perk they don't up. always give you the feedback no no <laughs> but it's it's nice to and then just you know afterwards just go visit with them and you know just talk to them for a little bit Man, yeah, there's that's so true. many those things were, you can do. Those are precious memories. In fact, we did do a lot of musical service. I'm glad you brought that up. So service, actually, I love that that's what we're picking for an activity this time because that actually has to do with duty. Why does our family serve people? Why do I do teaching self-government? Why do you do teaching self-government? <laughs> <laughs> because we have been given something. Because we have been given, we feel like, from God, from our experiences in life, we have been given valuable principles and truths and skills. We've been given stuff. And so we feel duty-bound to share it. We don't want to just keep it for ourselves. Yeah, but no one's telling us to share it. Because duty is not about obedience. Well, yeah. People do ask, but like... You know, I'm not, I'm not pushing it on anybody. People ask, but, but it's one of those things where we just share. And I've told people many times, I don't take money for this. And they're like, oh, you should, that's not good. Da, da, da. And I'm like, no, because actually <laughs> for gift. me, for me, that doesn't mean I don't pay people. You know, I mean, all my family members that work with me, they get paid. Other people that, I, that work with me, they get paid. But I just decided I want this to be from my heart, just my duty. And to me, it's more valuable like that. Yeah, it means so, to you. Yeah. And so I don't take money for it because I feel duty bound to share it. Whether I get paid or not, I will help families. I mean, obviously, getting some money <laughs> from what we do does help us keep perpetuating this <laughs> and it going and helping more and more people. But we've done so much humanitarian work. I've raised thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars so that we could go and give it away in Africa and give it away in China and give it away, you know, in so many different places, people don't realize that they are part of a huge, we call it our mission or our ministry as a family to try to help the world be a better place. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so let's talk about duty. What is duty? Because duty is different than obedience. Okay. When, when, oh wait, before, before we get into that, before we get into that, um, my friend, remember my story from my friend. So we were talking having a little discussion and my friend and I was talking about duty and I said, Oh, but it's your duty. And, and I said it with such reverence and such conviction. Like it is so important to me that I live my duty. And she says, I hate that word. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what, how can you hate that word? She's like, I hate that. It makes me feel like I have no choice that I have to do something. Just because somebody else wants me to do it. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's not duty. That is not the same thing as duty. That is something else. So my friend felt like that she was being told what she has to do. And that's why it's her duty. And that is totally different. Oh, yeah. That's, that's way different. Yeah, because that suggests that she hates doing it, but she just has to. So she's being obedient against her will. That is not duty. That is complying. It's not even that's actual obligation. Yeah, yeah, it's being obligated in a way that's like someone has power over you in some way. And they even maybe you feel like they can control you in some way. 
or something. And so she just had this bad taste in her mouth about ever having to do anything for anybody. In fact, I have mm. to say, I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that don't like the concept of duty because they actually just want to do what they want to do for themselves. They don't want to have to think about anybody else. Well, then that's a misunderstanding of duty because that's not what duty is. Oh, no. Duty, well, duty, duty does involve doing things for other people, though. Well, yeah. And, well, if you think about it, like, you know how usually, usually for, at least for me, the word duty is connected to, like, military men. Like, it's our duty to protect the country. You know, this, that, and the other. Yeah, but what does um, that really mean for them? It doesn't have anything to do with their commander, really. No, no. It's, they signed up for the job. Um, but it's because they felt like they had you know, a commitment that they're the ones who could fulfill a commitment to do something noble and worthwhile. I would say it's almost a conviction. That's yeah. That's what I meant. You know? Yeah. It's uh, a moral commitment. Yeah. A moral commitment, a moral conviction to a truth they had found. Yeah. In fact, there's a book, a great book called the fourth turning by Strauss Mm -hmm. and Howe. And in the fourth turning, they said the reason that the GI generation fought in World War II was because they had been raised a little bit more protected. And so they knew what right and wrong, good and bad, true and false were. And they knew what it felt like when something was right or wrong because they had been raised in really good homes with a good feeling of, you know, virtue, morality, all that kind of stuff. And so when they saw Hitler coming, Mussolini coming. When they saw these leaders in the world banding together and destroying places in the world, they were like, that's wrong. And because I know it's wrong and I know what also is right, I have a duty to do something about it. I have to go fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they had to put their life on the line. Like they couldn't even, they couldn't even um, look themselves in the mirror if they couldn't sign up to solve that wrong in the world. Mm-hmm. Sure, some of them wanted adventure, but but most of them really wanted to just get rid of the bad guys, get rid of the wrong. Yep, their heart knew what they had to do, and they knew that they were the only ones who could do it. Yeah, and so that heart thing that you're talking about, or you might want to say that's part of your conscience or your spirit, that that heart thing. That condition of heart, that is what it means to have duty. When you know something is right and you take action to make it happen. Yeah. So here's another one. And Paige, you haven't experienced this yet, but one day you will. But you got a little baby, okay? Mm. It's nighttime. It takes you forever to get that baby to sleep at first because they just don't know how to fall asleep very good on their own. (laughs) And so you finally get them to sleep. And then you lay them in their bed and you think, okay, I'm going to go to sleep and you lay down you're sleeping for like 45 minutes and then or middle (laughs) of the night and here's the baby crying and you know what you don't lay there and just think oh no cry it out this is my time I mean if you do you are it's neglect right because the baby needs you and so it's the duty, it's that heart that, that is turned mm-hmm. toward that role that you have with that child, your condition of heart that knows, I am the one that has to care for that child. It is right that I get up and I go and I feed that child, even if I miss sleep, which I love. 
I am going to do this. Paige, maybe this is a little pre-teach because you really miss, you know, you don't oh, like to I miss like your sleep. sleep. I like my sleep. <laughs> pre-teach for future generations. No rush. No rush. Just, <laughs> just enjoy married life. Anyway, but, um, but that's what duty feels like. And, and, and dad, you know, if he's got duty, wakes up in the morning, he kisses the children. They're all in bed. He goes to work. He comes home. It's late at night. He kisses the children. They're all in bed. He goes to sleep. You know what that's called? Duty. That's a massive sacrifice. He doesn't even get to see his family because of all that hard work he's doing. I remember those years when Spencer, when your dad was doing that, and and I would cry. I would cry a tear. Tears would come out my eyes as I saw him leave and I saw him come home and kiss you guys, and, and I knew he was living his duty. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was huge. So duty, it's this condition of heart. It's this moral commitment. It's this um, conviction that a person has in their heart that they will do what's right. They will follow what's true. So truth is huge. Truth is a big component to duty. Yeah. You can't have real duty without truth. Okay. So when someone gets you to do something for them, they could manipulate you to do it and you could feel like you have to. They could give you a guilt trip. They could be angry. They could show power. They could be like, you, I'm going to give you money. And you could feel like, well, in order to do, get this money, I have a duty to fulfill. But that's not what I would call real duty. Because real duty is this condition of heart. It's not just to get something or to please somebody. or to, It's like, I have to. I have to because I can't rest if I don't. I have to because I'll have to like repent if I don't because it, it feels that important. Right. You know, a, a duty to do that. So um, anyway, uh, duty is, is hopeful. And so you can't work. It's really hard to fulfill duty if you cause. don't have hope. Yeah. So... That's true. In fact, hope and truth lead to duty. Yeah, because if you think about it, like if you have hope and you're fulfilling something, it's because you have a goal in mind. So like for the GI generation, their goal was to defeat Hitler and to defeat all these people that were tearing the country apart. And so if, you know, they found that they were losing or something, that hope could be squashed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that action could then diminish. Maybe, except for the... I think many of them, I'm just thinking of both my grandparents here, right, my right. grandpas, but they had the kind of hope that was like, even if I die, I know God is going to be with me. Mm-hmm. Like even, I mean, it was, there was this religious component to, to their service. And so they held hope with that. And I feel like having a plan that you're going, like you said, goals, a plan that you're going for something that is bigger than that minute is that thing that gives you hope, even if you fail sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it usually when you give your, when you, you know, practice your duty, when you are living according to duty, usually it's work. It's hard work. Oh yeah. It's a lot Whether of you're rich, whether you're poor, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about it, like nowadays, raising a child in today's world to be morally clean is a chore because immorality is everywhere. And so you have to do everything you can 
to not necessarily take it away or, you know, from the child or move it out of the child's way, but to prepare the child and say, hey, this is here. And this is how, this mm-hmm. is how you should handle it. Mm-hmm. And that takes yeah, and training. It does. It t- and, and you have to deliberately make a choice on that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it's courageous. Like any time that you are living according to your duty, it's courageous. And you useful. have to be monitoring yourself all the time. So duty is self-devoted. This is another aspect of duty, which means that you're true to who you really are. So when you're presenting a fight that a child has to, to fight against maybe, you know, all the immorality and stuff, or, or just like, hey, we're going to be dedicated to family, even though a lot of other people aren't. Okay, that, that is instilling a, this duty to family, right? That it's more important than just self or friends or whatever, but that we need to put the first things first and then courageously follow through with honoring and serving those things. That means that the self has to give up. That's the self-devoted part. Who are right. you in the family? Be true to that and give up. Just like the mom who wakes up in the night to feed the baby, the dad who goes say, to work. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a person who says, who am I? Who am I in this family? So it, duty is also based on identity, knowing who you are. Like That's saying, huge. I am the mother. A mother nurtures and provides and takes care of her children and her husband. But, you know. Um, yeah, hopefully, there's, yeah. hopefully that's mutual, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 But because she is so committed to that purpose, she is willing to give up her so-called, you know, quote-unquote, me time to make sure that her family is raised well. Mm-hmm. In fact, I just turned that into my me time. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what I, time. I was like, I love planning to serve my family. I love making food. I love growing the garden. I love teaching the children. <laughs> I love working with whatever. I love folding the towels, okay? You know, all that <laughs> stuff you have to do, you just have to decide to love it. Because that's the other thing. If your duty is based on truth, which real duty is, the truth about who you are, the truth about what leads to happiness, the truth about the people around you, the truth about the principles you know and love. If duty is based on truth, why would we spend our time hating our duty and loathing our duty? We We have to teach ourselves not to hate work. I think a lot of people decide work is bad and play is good. And so they decide that they're going to hate work. Well, they're both good. Well, work is attached to your duty. Play can be attached to your duty too. But 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 play can also be work and work can also be play. There you go. Because it just depends on how you look at it and how you decide to enjoy it. So a couple of things. We've got to get into how we teach the children to have duty. But just a couple of things. Let's talk about the foundation of duty, okay? So the foundation of duty is that you are free to think and act for yourself, okay? Mm -hmm. You can't have duty unless you recognize already that you are free to think and act for yourself. If a person is not free to think and act for themselves, if if they have to serve a monarch or a bully or something like that, then then it's not duty. Right. Then they are just doing what they are told they have to do. They are being controlled by another person. But if it's true duty, you give and serve and do and think because you 
chose to. Mm-hmm. So that's super important. Um, and duty, this, this action that you take leads to giving of yourself. So that can be money. It can be possessions, but oftentimes what it really re- requires the most is time. Yeah. I was going to say, usually the gift of time is the most precious one that you can give. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And like uh, your friend Jerry said, it's just time. Yeah. It's just time. I love that. I love that. He says that my friend Jerry, that helps me <laughs> oh, bless his heart anyway. Um, so let's talk about how do we teach our children to have duty then? Um, if the foundation of duty is to have the freedom to think and act for yourself, then that means that we have got to have our whole environment based on cause and effect and personal choice. It's true. It can't be an environment where parents control children or overly protect children mm-hmm. and where they micromanage children and make them do this and make them do that and make them do that. But that doesn't mean that you can't be telling them you need to do your chore. Now I know that doesn't make sense, <laughs> but, <laughs> but parents should instruct their children and they should teach their children. And I definitely hundred percent page can attest to this on a stack of Bibles. Again, <laughs> Directions all the time and yes. correct my children all the time. Yes. But the base behind all that teaching and correction is this is what you need to do. These are the cause and effects. You know, here, here with this cause, this is the effect. With this cause, this is the effect. And you have a choice. And whatever you choose is what you choose. But then just so you know, then if it's this kind of a choice, then this is how I will handle it. And so it's all a big pre teach. Mm-hmm. And because you've or you know what will happen based on what choice we choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they have to know I'm free to think and act for myself, but this is how it's going to be set up at our house. And so I also know exactly what to expect. Yeah. So cause and effect is huge. In fact, a person cannot learn self-government. So we look at everything on this channel through the lens of self-government. And self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. So that means that a person understands cause and effect and how it relates to their own decisions. And guess what that's called? That's called freedom to think and act for yourself Wow! and make the right choices. So, um, the parent's job is to help the child navigate that and make the right choices. Now it's always a tragedy when parents are manipulative or when parents lead their children down the wrong path. That can happen. There can be some deadbeat parents out there and it's a sad thing, but it can happen. The, the ideal is that the parents lead their children toward truth, not toward convenience or just what makes them happy or what they think would get them out of their hair or all those things are manipulation. Well, and that usually happens. That teaching happens when they involve their children in what's happening with the family Mm -hmm. because that involvement is huge. So when parents, you know, on the flip side, try to do everything themselves, then a lot of times you have entitled children and, or lazy children or a combination of both, or you have really, really wild children um, because when you just keep, you know, you and your husband or you, you know, depending on how united you are with your spouse separate from, you know, the entity of 
the children, then it's not united and they're not involved in what's going on. And so then they don't know and they just decide to take matters into their own hands. Mm-hmm. Well, so whenever spouses aren't united, usually one person is being selfish, maybe two people, but usually one for sure is being <laughs> selfish. And, and if everything is just about the individual, the, the child thinks everything's about them, the parent thinks everything about them, um, then we have a problem. And you can't teach a person duty that way because a person who lives according to duty does not serve themselves. They serve other people. And so they, like Paige, like you said, they have to be involved in the family. So Mm -hmm. they have to play together as a family. They have to work together as a family. They have to communicate as a family. They have to see themselves as part of a bigger family unit, all together as one, working together. And honestly, think of that. Think of how our society needs that so badly right now. Everybody to be all together as one. Oh, that would be so nice. It would be so nice. But if it does not even happen in the homes, we are naive to think that it can happen anywhere else. And, and some people think, oh, no, the last place it's going to happen is in the homes. No, because like if... Mm-hmm. Then it's never going to happen anywhere. Why would you connect and bond with complete strangers before you connect with your own family? Yeah, it doesn't happen. No. So family work is huge. So so let's let's start making a list here. How do we teach our children to have duty? We teach them cause and effect. That's number one. And that they have personal choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's number one. Number two, it's about everything that happens at home and with the family and in their lives is about is about family. It's not about themselves. Okay, so that's number two is it's got to be about the family. Everything needs to be about the family. And don't just make decisions for the children that are just to gratify some selfish desire all the time. Be very thoughtful about what plans you make for your children and your family. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next. Number three. Number I think, three. and this one is really, really important. Work as a family. If you don't work as a family, your children will never gain a sense of character and duty because they will not know how to work hard. Yeah. Family work time every day. So work as a family every day. That kind of goes back to that number two being everything about the family for sure. But it is vital. Um, Work weekly as a family, work daily as a family, cook as a family, clean as a family, play as a family. Mm -hmm. Um, So next. Number four. Honesty. Mm. Parents have to be honest and teach according to truth, not manipulation. Ooh, that is big. important. It is because there's, it's so easy to manipulate. It's so easy to be like, oh, um, get me that, do that, whatever. What? You won't? One, two, three? You know, like, uh, oh, you're going to get it. Listen, if you don't, then you won't, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's so easy to just fall into that manipulation stuff. So the opposite of manipulation is to actually have skills training that they know how to follow your instructions. They know how to talk to you about things and you honestly communicate with them. You give them reasons why you're telling them to do things and you teach them according to truth. Cause remember you can't have duty unless you have truth, which means you've got to touch the heart of the child. Well, and that's really important for like, at least from my perspective, me being a child at one point, um, I was definitely the child that would ask why. Mm -hmm. Why, mom? Why are we doing that? Why are you asking me to do that? 
-hmm. And, you know, you weren't the parent of the state because I'm the mom and I told you so. Because that was definitely never going to satisfy me. No. Uh, (laughs) Instead, you would kind of just take a second and you say, you know, I'm telling you to do this because this this is what needs to be accomplished before we go do this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so because I took the time to tell you the real truth, you were like, oh, all right, I get it. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But But you didn't want to just be controlled. You didn't want to be controlled. But at the same time, but at the same time, I had to teach you how to ask with respect. Yes. Because we still did have parental authority. And that's another truth. That is a truth that children need is that their parents actually have parental authority. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to know that too. Best friends with you yeah. is by not trying to be their friends when they're young. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. All right. So our next thing that you can do to teach your children to have duty is, and here's, this is the hardest part. Parents have to willingly serve and have duty too. Oof. You can't just pass everything off on the children. You can't say, you get that, you clean that, you do that, you do, and you're sitting there going, yeah, that's hard for me to tell you what to do. No, like you've got to be part of what's going on, right? If you're going to inspire it in your children, you have to do it yourself. Exactly. So true. And so that means you have to love having duty and you have to love service to other people around you. I think we've, you know, we talked about dad and we talked about some of our family service projects and how we've instilled that in the family. All right. Next point is you got to know where you're going. Okay. So goals or having a family vision in the teaching self-government program, we talk about creating a 20 year vision of who we're becoming as a family. And it's this picture that we're going toward, but there are other times that we actually set goals and stuff as well. So this vision, by the way, is huge. I'm, I'm just talking over it really fast and then going to the next thing because <laughs> I want to save you time. But, but this vision is huge. It holds everything together. It's mm-hmm. the pitch in, picture of who we're becoming as a family. It is the thing that is not self. We have a whole other podcast about vision. If I remember it, it's number 11, but I could be wrong. But that will go into a whole lot more detail about why vision is so important. Mm, thank you. Thank you for that. And then Paige, what other ways do we work on goals and where we're going as a family? Um, some of the big things we do are multiple different types of meetings that we have. So family meeting is really important. That happens uh, once a week. And that kind of gets us going for, you know, what we're doing for the week, what things we need to accomplish, um, and the different goals that we have. And then mentor meetings which happen with each child, you know, is setting up specific goals for each child to accomplish. And that was something that was big for me was, you know, sitting down with you and dad every week for, you know, 10 minutes and just being, and you guys saying, Hey, you know, what is it do you want to accomplish school-wise this week? What do you want to accomplish? Um, you know, music. It was usually like 30 minutes, not 10, but The goal was 10, but (laughs) yeah, but yes, we usually ended up talking for a lot longer just because it was fun and we enjoyed talking about our goals with each other and stuff like that. But it was really important that I had that time with you and dad just one-on-one because I felt like you guys really cared about where I was going and Mm -hmm. you instilled in me that purpose of what needed to happen to achieve where I wanted to go. 
Yeah. Those were really precious times. In fact, you guys really loved those meetings. And so we stopped having a time limit for those, but at one point we did try to, but they usually ended up going about 30 minutes per child. And we just wanted you guys to have that time with us to help Mm -hmm. you set your plans for the future. Because if you set your own plans and your own goals, then you would feel a duty to follow through for yourself and, and for your family. And we have another meeting, two couples meetings. Mm-hmm. And couples meetings are powerful because they keep husband and wife on the same page. They keep you discussing that couple's relationship, which is a foundation relationship for all the other family relationships. Yeah. And so that's a good one too. All right. Our next one is our next tip here for how to teach your children duty is to work on helping them have a good condition of heart. Which means you have to do it yourself. Yeah, you do, which means every person needs to understand calmness. Mm. And the skills we teach, we teach these four basic skills. And in these skills, the first, well, it's the second step to each one of these four basic skills is have a calm face, voice, and body. And that is so key for proper communication and, you know, furthering your goals. Mm-hmm. Because your your heart can't be in the right place unless you're calm, which helps you to think clearly. Paige, there was a time when you weren't calm. What? And no. Yeah, <laughs> we had to work on this. Yes, we did. <laughs> anyway, there was a time there was a time when you didn't want to master your calmness and you were oh, just no. frustrated, attitude. It probably happened multiple times, but every time you probably had some hormonal change, it occurred. So <laughs> anyway, <Not laughs> anyway, surprised. yeah. So, um, so how did, how did learning about calmness and mastering calmness affect you i mean what what was the difference between how you felt when you felt like you had to get angry and get emotional and then the difference now like where are you you know what what has been the key change for you can you pinpoint that that's a great question um i think one of the biggest things was learning to not take things personally so if something didn't go my way instead of flipping out about it because i was upset maybe because I felt like I wasn't being listened to, then, you know, instead now I would be like, hey, you know, I can talk about this in a calm way that's more likely to get me listened to than screaming. So, in fact, I think <laughs> one of the biggest things I think is me recognizing that I will get listened to more when I am calm instead of when I am using volume. Mm. Because so you actually had logic going on here. You're like, wait yeah, a second. My logic came into play. I'm like, oh, people don't actually want to listen to me when I'm yelling at them. Got it. Let's mm. try something else. <laughs> like I'm frustrated. No one, nobody seems to understand. But yet I am not communicating in a way that they want to understand. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's just yeah. kind of how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I am very passionate about things, but I've also realized that I don't have to take things personally. And when I do want to communicate something, I can do so in a calm, effective manner that people will listen to. But I love that you've told yourself you don't have to take this personally. Yeah. That's that's, huge. That's the biggest thing was that because when I would get angry, it was because I was hurt that either I wasn't being listened to or my ideas weren't being considered 
or, you know, something like that. And mm-hmm. so instead I could just be like, you know what? I can bring this up in a different way or I could just let it go or I could work on it myself. You know? So you also, you also debated in your mind, is this really important? You know? Yeah. I took Maybe. the time to think yeah. and that is a skill that can be acquired. I definitely had to acquire it because there are <laughs> plenty of times where I did not think before I did or said something and mm-hmm. that got me into plenty of trouble. But, yeah. And we kept pointing you in that direction. Like, Paige, right. it's okay. We can talk about this. Let's just well, and I calm. think that actually we really, can talk. really yeah. big is because you guys didn't flip out at me when I flipped out at you. You're, you're like, okay, you know, let's take a few deep breaths and we're going to talk about this in a different way. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. what? You just yelled at me. That's so disrespectful. Go to your room, blah, blah, blah. You know, whereas that. Yeah, I was never taking it personally. Well, no, can't see the same for dad all the time but <laughs> well he had a little little bit more of a what we call it the patience curve he okay is. it took him a little while to decide not to take things personally himself yeah. but yeah. A, a good way to help your children have a good condition of heart is even if they are like i was you know strong-willed and fiery um to not reciprocate that mm-hmm Which means your heart has to be good. Yeah, you have to be able to be calm enough to guide them out of that behavior and out of that little rut. Mm -hmm. Maybe sometimes it's a big rut. But you have to be mature and calm enough to be able to help them. Because if you don't help them, who else are they supposed to turn to for that help? Mm -hmm. And usually it's not good sources. (laughs) Or it's the wrong sources. Yeah, because anyone can feel misunderstood because if their emotions are raging and they're taking things personal, they can feel like nobody gets it. Nobody gets what I think. Nobody gets how I feel. Mm -hmm. And so you have to get them to a place where everybody can get their heart in the right place and get that calm face, voice, and body. So help them have a good condition of heart. Point that direction. That's huge. And then finally, we've already been hitting on this, son, but communicating effectively. So we need to make sure that with our children, we're communicating effectively and we're teaching them how to communicate. We taught Paige how to disagree appropriately. We taught Paige skills for how to get herself into check. We taught her calmness is the effective way. Let's get to calmness. Mm -hmm. How do we get to calmness? And we would get, take you through those steps. So those were all self-government practices that we did to help you feel like you were in control of you. Because here's the thing. If you're not in control of you, remember the foundation of duty is that you have to be free to think and act for yourself. And if you are overcome by emotion, that is not free. Mm -mm. That is bondage. That is emotions controlling you and you're destroying bridges and all kinds of things. So if you know how to communicate, if you know what calmness is, if you can have your heart in the right place, if you set goals for yourself, you stick to them. If you've got the example of someone to point you in the right direction, you've got a mindset of it. This isn't just about me. This is with family. Then you are going to get yourself to that place of duty where you feel like I I can't not serve my family. I can't not be connected to my family. You know, mm-hmm. if there's one thing, Paige, that I love, I mean, come full circle here back to marriage talk, but, but, if there's, <laughs> but if there's one thing that I just love about so far, you know, you're the second person in our family that's gotten married, you know, besides me and dad. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so Quinn got married and then you've gotten married. And, and I love that you guys still are like, family is important. Mm-hmm. Family is super important. Life isn't just about me. 
I need to see what's going on with the family. I need to make sure I know how to serve and love and take care of my family. Um, I loved, you know, your brothers going, Hey, we want to throw a bachelor party for your fiance, <laughs> you know? And they're like, we're just doing this. Right. Even though you would think it'd be somebody else who might do it in his family or something, but they're, they're like, no, we're doing this. And, <laughs> and because nobody had declared they were doing it and mm -hmm. just, and that kind of thing. And like, Oh, it's the wedding. Oh, how can we help? And you know, what are we going to be doing? And Hey, Porter, can you bring this, 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 can you carry this? Can you, yep, yep, yeah. yep. I will. And just that duty to the family, like without question, they're not going to think, Oh, this is a bummer for my life. Why do they have to ask me to do everything? They're not going to be that kind of selfish because that's not the way our family is. And so when I looked at what happened with this wedding and I look at the kind of guy you married, who is a, how can I help kind of guy? Yeah. Right. And and I hope you always appreciate that because that's a beautiful quality <laughs> and, um, and you always show gratitude for that. Um, but also just that you are always like, I love my family and I'm connected to my family. Yeah, I'm starting my own family, but I, but I see that I do have an obligation. It's, it's actually called public virtue right? It comes from private virtue. Private virtue is when you follow your morals privately when nobody's watching. Public virtue is when you do what it is that needs to be done for the public and the people around you that you have influence with and, and you have that. And, and so I have no worries about you going into marriage. I don't think, oh, I'll never see her again. Not, not going to happen. <laughs> not in our family, you know? No, because we're Love besties. That. That's not going to happen anyway. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so I'm I just, second bestie, but that's okay. Well, true. Yeah. But. I'm second bestie, <laughs> but I can take it. Yeah. Well, I wanted to just recap these because, you know, we had them going in steps and then we just kind of went, wee. But, um, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, step one, how, you know, this is how we teach our children to have duty. Step one, teach them to have cause and effect and personal, and personal choice. Step number two, make sure they're involved with the family. Number three, Work as a family every day, weekly. Uh, number four, you know, parents, you have to be honest and you have to teach according to truth, not manipulation. Number five, you also have to be willing to serve and have duty. Number six, you got to have goals and vision, which requires family meetings and mentor sessions with your kids. Number seven, you got to work on helping them have a good condition of heart which means you have to have a good condition of heart. So having a calm face, voice, and body, which is important. Then number eight is communicate effectively. Great. So if anyone happened to be taking notes, now you got the full list in case we went <laughs> too fast for you or jumped around too much and you had no idea what was happening. You know, Paige and I on these, on these podcasts, we like to just talk like regular, like we talk about Let's anything. Let's take a phone call. It, it totally is. It's yeah. like mother-daughter phone call. You get a peek in at it, you know, which is super <laughs> fun. But it's so exciting. It has been a blast to talk about teaching children to have duty today. If you want to find out anything else about self-government principles and skills, which one of those principles is definitely duty, then go to teachingselfgovernment.com. You can find so much more there. We've got a course, which is like a goldmine. Okay? Oh, the Teaching Self-Government Parenting Course is a goldmine. If you want to be trained on how to learn self-government yourself and how to teach it to your children, go there and find that. And we will talk to you again next time. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye.
You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.